Amen. I want to thank you for being in the house of God tonight. You may be seated. Counted an honor and privilege to be up here. I know that many a great men have preached behind this pulpit. And I want you to know tonight that it is an honor to be up here. And I do not take it for granted. I'm thankful for the opportunity tonight. I hope I do not bore you. Tonight is one of those nights where you you thought you had something and God led you a different direction just a little bit before you came in here. So you'll have to bear with me tonight, but I do feel like I have a word from the Lord. Amen. I found it interesting in my travels to Boston just a few short weeks ago that our day began off began so crazy with getting at the airport and waiting for hours upon hours and hours for the security line because they had a power outage. And after finally getting through the security line, three hours later, my wife and I were told that our flight had been delayed, but it got delayed for 10 minutes and had already taken off. They, they held it back a whole 10 minutes for all 60 passengers that never made it on the plane. So we, we get through the security line and find out that our plane had left about two hours ago and uh, we would have to wait and stand by and begin to talk to people at the desk and talk to them. And they said, well, I tell you what. They said, you can wait here and possibly get on a flight that would take you to Atlanta. And then when you get to Atlanta, you may or may not get the flight to Boston. So it's, it's up for debate what you want to do. Or you can come back tomorrow and fly out. Or we'll take $400 from each of you and we can get you on a plane in just about an hour. And I... I did exactly what you are doing right now. I, I laughed and said, that's not going to be an option. Well, they did find us a flight to St. Louis, Missouri, where we then were there for three or four hours. And then finally we get, get to our destination at Boston. We uh, get a taxi to our hotel. And just a few short hours before this in St. Louis Airport, I had called our hotel to make sure that there were reservations and that I was not going to get there in my room, not be there. Well, wouldn't you know, I make a comment to my wife and I said, the, the, day, the way our day is going, we're going to get there and they're going to say, oh, sorry, sir, there's been some confusion. Or it, it, it was just that kind of day. How many of you ever had a day like that? And I finally get to our hotel. It's probably... Close to midnight at this point. We had been up since probably 5.36 that morning with all the traveling going on. We were supposed to be in Boston at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We get there around midnight. Pull up into our hotel. Walk in carrying all our luggage. And get to the front desk. Uh, we're sorry, sir, but uh, it seems as though we've given your room away. And uh, I just kind of <laughs> chuckled. And what what what... What am I going to do at this point? And they said, we're so sorry. We're going to put you in a taxi, take you over to another hotel, which is all the way back to the airport where we just came from. So we finally get there, get in our hotel, and we get to that guy, and he said, okay, we're going to get you a room, blah, blah, blah. And me and my wife were both just, sir, just no small talk. We just want to get to our room. That we, we, It's been a long day. Oh, yes, sir, I understand, but... In all of this, I was reminded of a story in the Bible. And tonight, if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. I'm aware tonight that this is normally a text that would be taken out during the Christmas season, but 
This thought has been burning in my heart all day. Luke chapter 2, begin reading in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being, say, great with child. Great with child. That means she was really big pregnant. Any day now, it's going to happen. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Say, no room. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject. No reservations. And no expectations. No reservations and no expectations. I'm also aware tonight that this thought has probably been thought up by someone else long before I. They say there's nothing new under the sun. I'm, I'm very well aware of that. So if you want to remind me again after church, that's alright. I'll be willing to listen to you. But I do feel this in my heart so strongly. And it kind of was comical last night. But somebody was talking about building a house. And they said that. When they built their house, all the rooms were going to be somewhat smaller. And they were talking about mattresses and the beds that they were going to be having. And, of course, you know it's a twin, a full, a queen, and a king. And the comment was made, well, we're not building this house and we're not going to prepare to have a king. And that thought kind of just hit me upside the head for a minute. We're not going to prepare for a king. But in all of our efforts and all of the things we build in our lives, do we build it with the king in mind? If someone of great power was coming and we knew that we were to be keeping our eyes peeled for this man or woman such of great importance, we surely would make room for them. We would make sure that they were staying in the five-star hotel downtown with a nice view we would make sure to have full amenities at their disposal. We would make sure they had plenty of food and had everything that they needed. In fact, we treat most of our guests this way. We make sure that they always have enough food. We make sure that the temperature is just right for them. We make sure they have fresh sheets and fresh clean towels. And we make sure that they are well taken care of and that they have plenty of room. And if not... Perhaps we can sacrifice our own room for them to be more comfortable. You see, most kings are high maintenance. They expect perfection and nothing else. They expect to be treated with honor and served by all who are around them. They don't have to ask twice. They don't have to push the crowd to respond with applause because after all, they are king. Maybe you are thinking in your mind right now, well, I can think of a lot of high people people who are kings and up there in leadership and power, that I wouldn't go out of my way to help for five seconds. But who or what, should I say, is important enough in your life that you would take the time to make sure that it had all that it wanted or it needed? 
But you see, these people knew that there was a Savior who would one day be born, for it was prophesied. They were taught, hey, there is coming a day where a child will be born. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. And in Matthew, you see the prophecy fulfilled. It says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Down to verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. So you see, they knew that it was coming, for they had been taught. So when this was all taking place, you'd think that they wouldn't be so shocked and surprised at all of this. You know, there is a game that we've all probably played. It's a game we like to call hide and seek. The person who is counting is giving the others time to get ready to find a place where they think they are safe. And once they feel they have gotten to a good place, they sit there patiently waiting to be found. The counter will then cry out, ready or not, here I come. Once the time is out, it doesn't matter if you were where you wanted to be or not. It doesn't matter if you're still running. Hence the phrase, ready or not, here I come. Joseph, whether you were ready or not, here he comes. Mary, whether you're ready or not, here he comes. Innkeeper, whether you were ready or not, here he comes. It doesn't matter if your house is in havoc. It doesn't matter if dinner is done. It doesn't matter if you're on your way to church. Because one day we are going to be in the same boat when the one who comes for us will cry out, ready or not, here I come. They were told that the Messiah would be born, but after all they had been waiting for hundreds of years, surely they had time to prepare. Surely it would not be this day. So they had no expectation. They quit waking up every day thinking today could be the day. Because after all, it had been so long. But yet when the time came for his arrival, no one was ready. No one was prepared. They had made room for the lawyer who just traveling through. They had made room for the families that had come to pay their dues. They made sure that they had themselves a place to lie their head that night. And we paint this picture of Joseph knocking on door to door asking the question, Do you have any rooms? My wife is pregnant. We need a place to stay. The response was no room, no room in the end. But sir, I, I see you have room for all of these people in here. Do you not have room for a king? Did you make reservations? Well, no, sir. Well, that's too bad. But even if you had, we were not expecting you. We are so full of other things, we don't have room for a king. They had heard prophecy after prophecy. Their great-grandma told grandpa about it. Grandpa told their fathers and their fathers had told them, Be ready. Be ready. A Messiah is coming. A virgin shall give birth to a baby boy and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. 
They told story after story of what was one day going to take place. But after so long, the expectation grew dim. Be ready. Be sure there is a place for them. After all, we are in the hotel business. Leave a reserved sign on the suite and make sure our Savior has a place when He arrives. Be ready. Be ready. But when the day came for Him to make His grand entrance, to come and redeem the lost, you would have thought the red carpet would have been rolled out. That lights and cameras would have been there ready to see this baby boy, this royal baby that was going to be born, waiting to see what they might name him. Would it be Emmanuel or would it be something else? You thought that they would be there eager with expectation. But Mary and Joseph had no reservations and the people had no expectations. Perhaps he got to the front desk and heard the clerk talking about how they just gave that room away for the, for the guy in there with the loads of money that just came in. I know it was originally meant to be for the king, but I'm sorry, Joseph, you don't know what this guy has just offered me for that room that I had. Sorry, Joseph, you don't know who, that, who it was that came in here before you. I couldn't leave them out in the cold. Surely you understand. I don't know how many rooms that there were. I don't know how many hotels were there, and I don't know how many doors that he knocked. All I know is that he was born in one of the lowliest of places. In a barn with the animals. But after all, he was the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. While he was the king, he was not ashamed to be the lamb. You know the lamb born in the barn, the lamb who was laid in a manger. Somebody said, well, I don't have much to offer you, Joseph. King of kings, I don't have a suite with a mini fridge. I don't have the suite with the nice view of the city. I don't have much of anything. I don't have a pedigree in the UPC. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of things that a lot of people would look at as something. But God, I do have room for you. I do have room for a king. I know it's probably not what you wanted. I know this life of mine may not be ideal. I know my life isn't fit for a king, but I do have a place for you. It's not much, but I will give you everything I've got. And so they went and they found themselves in this barn with these animals. A very lowly place. But Joseph wasn't looking for the Hilton. He wasn't looking for the five-star resort. He just needed a room for this king. And any room would be fine. He is not looking for a Sunday school teacher who has the best things to say. He's not looking for a singer that has recorded 16 albums. He's not looking for the preacher who could have a shout-out service preaching out of a phone book. Although all of those things are great, he was looking for room. In our busy lives, in our cluttered house, in our hectic schedule, He is looking for room. He is looking for a place. But how often do we tell Him, I'm sorry I don't have any more room. Lanny Wolf wrote down the words of this song and it says, No room, no room for Him. No room to let Him in. No room for Jesus. In the world He made, no room. In the heart He made, just for Him, 
No room for the King of Kings. Rooms for others and rooms for other things. But no room for Jesus. Room for houses, land and pleasures. Room for things that pass away. But for the one who reigns forever. There's no room today. What a tragedy. To not have room for the one who made it all. The Bible said that he came into his own. And his own received him not. I wonder tonight how many of us have been told that a king is coming. That there will be a return of a king. He's coming to save us. But will he come and hear from so many. Sorry God I have no room for you today. I have work and I have t-ball and I have soccer. And I have church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and My kids are in youth service on Friday night and we have birthday parties on Saturday and I clean and I cook and I take out the trash and I mow the lawn and I do all of these things. And while none of those things are bad within themselves, is your room too full of the things there is enough room for all of that, but is there room for a Savior? I'm sorry, I just don't have any room. I don't have any room, God. I know that you're coming tonight, but I just don't have any room. You say, I would never say that to God. I would never tell him that he was not welcome. You may not say it to him, but have you made room for him? Or have you gave his reserved room away to someone or something else? Have you taken him off of the throne and placed someone else or something in that place that was reserved for him in your life? There's a book that I've just read, God's at War. It begins to talk about some of the things that become the idols in our life. But he goes on to tell the story of one of his friends that goes on a missionary trip. He winds up in India. He goes to these people's house and he said he sat in this room and the centerpiece of the main room was the carved idol. He said he looked around and every chair, every couch, everything was pointed directly towards that idol. And he said it just disgusted him. He said he came back disgusted that all these chairs and this recliner and all this stuff was pointed right at this idol. And he said I was thinking about what my friend told me when he went on this mission trip and I went home and I was disgusted. I began to shake my head in disgust. And he said, I leaned back in the recliner and I was frustrated. And he said, and I sat up and I began to look around in my couch and my recliner and my chairs. Every bit of it was pointed to my television. I had made something an idol in my life and I didn't even know it. There was room for that idol. There was room for that. But there's no room for the king. I'm sorry, but I've, I've placed something else as the center of my focus. I'm sorry, but and not to say that any of those things are bad. But when you remove it from its proper place and you put something else there. And there is no room for a king. Have you taken him off the throne? And place something else or someone else on that throne. What a shame it would be when he comes back for his bride and his bride has married someone else while he was away. 
The Bible tells a story in Matthew 25. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. They were eager. They started out with such zeal and passion. They were hungry. They wanted to go see the bridegroom. They wanted to go see with expectation. They were getting ready. You see, they started off hungry. They wanted more from God. They wanted more from the relationship. The Bible says, And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They were unprepared. They were not ready for what was coming. But the wise took oil in their vessel with their lamps. The wise made sure that they were where they needed to be. They made sure that they did have the stuff in order that needed to be in order. Regardless of how long it was, they were eager and ready. Verse 5 says, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. All of them, the wise and the foolish. The word tarried there, chronizo, means to delay or to linger. The wise and the foolish found themselves in a time where maybe they grew weary in waiting. After all, it has taken so long. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And especially in today's society, we don't like to wait. Everything is here and now and just a click of a button. You have the world at your fingertips. But what happens when you're placed in that position where you have to wait and wait and wait? They grew weary in their waiting. But after all, they had been waiting for a long, long time. Perhaps some begin to think, well, maybe he's not coming. Maybe we got ourselves ready for nothing. Maybe I've been living in holiness for nothing. Maybe I've been coming to church faithfully for nothing. After all, I've been told that God is coming again since I was a kid and here I am, a grown man, and He's still not here. Maybe I've done all of this for nothing. I've grown tired and weary and I feel like I've done all of this for nothing. But the Bible says in verse 6, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, No, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. They said, No, we can't afford to give you any of ours. After all, we've waited this whole time. I, I've been here waiting eagerly. I've been ready for the return of my king. I've been waiting for my groom to show up and he's finally here. I don't have time to, to try to help you. I've got to get there. The Bible says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterwards came also other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know ye not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You see, they were so busy with trying to get there that they forgot to get everything else that they needed. They were so 
eager with expectation. But after they waited and waited and waited and it had been so long, the expectation began to grow dim in some of them. And they said, you know what, we're not, we're not going to need this. He's not coming anytime soon. I don't have to fill up my lamp right now because he's going to come in a few years, not today. I don't have to straighten my life out tonight and on Wednesday night because I've got a few years still before he comes back. But when he came back so sudden and they were running back, banging on the door after it had been shut. But ready or not, he was coming. Whether they were ready or not, he was coming. They came knocking saying, God, find me a place. I need a room. And he said, no room. I'm sorry, but I don't know you. You didn't take the time to have a relationship with me. You knew I was coming. You knew I would be here. Why did you not prepare for this day? I told you that I was coming again. I told you that I would be here. I told you that I would come back for you. Why were you not prepared? Why were you not ready? The Bible says in Mark thirteen thirty five, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what say I unto you? I say unto all, Watch. One translation says, be ready, be ready. Matthew twenty four forty two. watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Titus 2 and 13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If they were looking for him then, how much more should we be looking for him now? But through time, expectations have grown dim. Through time, perhaps there were not reservations made to reserve a room for a Savior. Perhaps there was no room for a king. Perhaps through the hustle and bustle of life, whenever it's talked about, it's, oh, well, I've got time. I, I, I've, got, I've got next Sunday. I've got, I'll wait till Brother Hughes comes back in town and I'll let him preach to me and I'll let him talk to me and we'll, we'll get this all worked out. The Bible says no man knoweth the day nor the hour. It does say that we can watch the seasons, but it does not say we know the day nor the hour. And if you haven't been watching the seasons, we are pretty close. Any day now the Lord can come again. And thinking about all of this, I begin to examine my own life. Have I made room for a king? Have I made room for a savior? Have I made the time to sit and to get to know God? The Bible talks about Mary and Martha. And while one was so busy doing the things for him and trying to get the house straight and trying to get the dinner cooked and trying to do all of this, the other one was sitting there communing. Talking with the Lord and he has said, she's chosen the better part. They're both good. But she's chosen the better part. She's wanted to have a relationship with me. She's wanted to make room for a king. Can we stand across this house tonight? Wally was a nine-year-old in the second grade. Though he should have been in the fourth 
He was big and clumsy, slow in movement and mind, but well liked by the other children in class, all of whom were smaller than he. At times, the boys didn't have trouble hiding their irritation with the uncoordinated Wally. When he would ask to play ball with them, they would all laugh and make fun of Wally because he was incapable of playing the way that they could play. He would stand by, not sulking, but hoping. Always a helpful boy, willing and smiling. The natural protector of any child he felt was being mistreated. As Christmas time approached, plans were made for the annual school pageant. Children were being assigned their parts, angels, shepherds, wise men, Mary and Joseph. And Wally stood by expectantly. He had expectations, hoping that he was going to get something. Then suddenly his joy knew no bounds, for he heard the teacher say, Wally, I want you to be the innkeeper. Not many lines to learn, she reasoned, and his size would make his refusal of lodging to Joseph more forceful. Little did that teacher dream the lesson that such a tender-hearted boy would teach all who would attend that program. Then came the rehearsal with the manager, beards, crowns, and stage full of squeaky voices. Most caught up in the magic of the night was Wally. He would stand in the wings watching the performance with fascination. His teacher had to make sure he did not wander on stage before his cue. Then came the long-awaited night and Wally stood holding a lantern by the door of the inn. Watching as the children who portrayed Mary and Joseph came near to him. What do you want? Wally asked with a brusque gesture. We seek lodging, sir. Seek it elsewhere. The inn is filled. Sir, we have asked everywhere. We have traveled far and we are very weary. My wife is pregnant and we need a place to stay. There is no room in this inn for you. Wally looked so stern. Please, good innkeeper, this is my wife. She's heavy with child and needs a place to rest. Surely you must have some small corner for her. She is so tired. Now for the first time, the innkeeper relaxed his stiff stance and looked down at Mary. With it, there was a long pause and the audience became a bit tense. No, be gone. The prompter whispered from the wing of the stage, No, be gone. No, be gone. As Wally just still sat there looking, he wouldn't say his line. And finally he says, No, be gone. Quietly. Joseph sadly placed his arms around Mary and Mary laid her head upon her husband's shoulder and the two of them started to move away. The innkeeper did not return inside his inn. However, while he stood there in the doorway watching this husband and wife with this baby that was to be, his mouth was open, his brow creased with concern, his eyes filling unmistakably with tears. And suddenly this Christmas pageant became different from all others. When Wally looking with concern said, don't go, Joseph. Bring Mary back here.
You can have my room, Jesus. A burst of laughter and then silence. Then tears flowed freely as the message came through to the listeners. Wally, the boy that was considered slow, had made room for Jesus. He could not turn Mary and Joseph away. His tender heart had made room for the Savior. The Bible says in Revelations 3 and 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him. You've heard the Christmas story your whole life. You know the story we play, the picture of Joseph beating on the door. Is there room? Is there room? And when this young boy, Wally, watched as Joseph and Mary began to walk away and tears filled in his eyes as he saw that they were so disappointed. And he said, you can have my room, Jesus. The unselfish love that Wally had to make sure that there was room for his Savior. The unselfishness of his heart to say, you know what? I've got a room upstairs that I sleep in. But you know what? I can see the importance of this right here. I'm going to make room for a Savior. If that small boy could come to that realization... How much more should we, as people of God, who know that He is coming again, when He comes and knocks, will you be ready or will you be running around trying to still clean up house and say, no, no, you can't come in yet. I, I've got to straighten up the house a little bit. No, no, dinner's not out of the oven yet. You've got to wait before you come in. Or will you be ready for when He comes knocking? Come, come in, Jesus. I know that everything's not in, not in order yet, but, but you're welcome to come in. I have a place for you. I know it's not much, but I have a place for you. What it must have felt like to Joseph and Mary to say, as long as we have a place, as long as we have a place, I'm not picky, we're both tired. My wife's expecting right now Thank you, thank you, sir, for making room for a Savior. Thank you for making room for a King. Some of us come to God and we say, I, I don't have much to offer you. All I have is just a little bit of money. I don't have a whole lot of talent and abilities. I can't sing. I can't play any instruments. I can't preach. I can't teach. Well, I, I don't have anything to offer you, God. But a little barn in the back. Just a heart that's really a messed up place that stinks sometimes. But there's room for you here. I know my heart isn't what it should be, God, but I want to make room for you. God, right now, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us. God, that we would make room for a king.